Another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast. JCOnline.com through SoundCloud. Mike Carmen covers Purdue Sports for the Journal and Courier. Good evening. Finally, a post-game chat about a football game that we were able to witness today at ross Stadium. Now, no more than 1,000 fans were there. I guess maybe 2,000 if you count the cardboard cutouts. Um, but that's COVID. That's 2020. That's what we're dealing with. That's what all Big Ten schools are dealing with. And other than that, it was a normal football game with turnovers and penalties and scoring and big plays and not-so-big plays and questionable plays and all that kind of stuff. But it's a football game, and we got to talk about it. And I'm going to start with the defense because that was the piece of Purdue's team that I was – um, I would say it was concern how they would play, but how they would look because we just didn't know. Had seen practice, really got no indications exactly who was lining up where, doing what. But I think um, I think you walk away from Saturday's game, which Purdue won 24-20, in case you've been living in a non-Purdue cave the last few hours. But I think you walk away from the game. I, uh, you know, impressed is a strong word. Something short of impressed because the defense, uh, first of all, held Iowa, kept them out of the end zone in the second half. They only scored three points in the second half. And the last time I checked, Keeping teams out of the end zone and scoring more points is kind of the ultimate goal of football and some other sports. But, you know, they had their bad moments. Uh, There's no question about that. But when you look how they started and you look at how they finished, they offer an element of promise for what could happen this year. Now, I don't believe this defense is a shutdown, three and out, every series type of defense. But what you want this defense to be is to make plays at crucial times, get off the field on third down, uh, keep teams out of the end zone, limit them to field goals, so on and so forth. And they've even described themselves as a bend but don't break defense. Now, that that term can ruffle people. It sounds like, well, you're willing to give up a bunch of yards, but then you're going to all of a sudden push a button and keep a team out of the end zone. Well, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. You know, Iowa, um, you know, and the, the, the matchup against Iowa, because Iowa's not traditionally a dynamic offense, and they were playing uh, a quarterback for the first time, but they had pieces around them. They had a good receiving core, uh, good stable of running backs. Offensive line was solid, but you know, you just Iowa's kind of a grinded out type of offense. Play field position, run the ball, manage the game, and find a way to get out with a victory. And they almost did it. 
But, you know, Purdue forced a turnover late. Diedrich Mac- Mackey uh, stripped um, Micaiah Sargent. Cam Allen recovered the fumble and set up Purdue for what would turn out to be the game-winning drive. But you know, I think there's some things to like about the defense. And the, to me, the number one thing that came to mind today with the defense was just the amount of players that rotated in uh, in there. I mean, if you start at the defensive line, um, you know, even George Karloftis didn't play every play uh, on defense. Obviously, Lorenzo Neal didn't. He didn't start the game, but he got in there on the second series and came back out. But then he was more of a regular uh, contributor throughout the game. Anthony Watts, uh, Lawrence Johnson, Branson Dean, all all those guys kind of rotated um, around, in and around the uh, the defensive line. And it was the same with the linebackers. You know, there was a series or two that Derek Barnes was not there. And he's a guy that you would expect would be on the field a whole lot just because of his, his experience. But that, that was the thing that I, I came away with as a, as a positive for Purdue was just uh, the number of players that played. And it, it just wasn't one snap here and one snap there. It was for drives and series and stuff like that. So the more experience you get with those guys, the more comfortable you are uh, putting them in major roles. You know, Demarcus Mitchell, uh, the junior college transfer, came up, made some made some plays today uh, against the Hawkeyes, uh, either from the linebacker spot or the defensive end spot. And it just appears after one game that Purdue has, on the defensive side, some flexibility to move guys around. George Koloftos moved inside for a few snaps, you know, maybe on some third down rush or passing situations to – get him lined up against a guard that he can uh, not easily overpower but would have an advantage against. But I think today showed that the the coaching staff, the defensive coaching staff, is willing to build that depth throughout the course of a game. You can practice all you want, but you need to play. So you had guys like Kieran Douglas, a linebacker that played, uh, Samisi Fakasi. Pakasiki uh, played significant snaps as well. Um, even Sanusi Kane, he was on some special teams. But you had guys in there playing a lot. And it, it, it looked like, and again, some of it was Iowa and their conservative offense or not, not the dynamic offense, not a spread type of offense, more of a traditional offense. But it appeared... And this is just, you know, it appeared that Purdue's defense got stronger as the game went on and made made more plays as the game went on. Now, you may argue that point because before the turnover, Iowa was chewing up yardage on the ground. I think Sargent had gained 13 yards before he fumbled. So they were, they were moving the ball. They had moved the ball pretty well on the ground all day. They finished with 195 yards on the ground. Seemed like 400 at times. Um, But, you know, I thought Purdue's defense, for the most part, 
seemed to get a little bit stronger as the game went on. You know, that's just an observation. Um, but And, you know, the bottom line, as mentioned before, you, you keep them out of the end zone. And that's what you're... That's what the ultimate goal is, and Purdue did that in the second half. And eventually the offense came around and got another game-winning drive for Maiden O'Connell, and Purdue is 1-0 for the first time since 2016, and they win a Big Ten opener for the first time since 2010. And Jeff Brown's sitting at home, hopefully alone, where he wouldn't harm anyone during several plays that, he would have harmed somebody, maybe, if he was on the sideline, verbally at least. Um, so with all that Purdue had to overcome this week, you know, losing its head coach to COVID, Rondell Moore not playing, and uh, they, they knew Rondell Moore was not going to play earlier in the week. Um, and so they, they were able to – this wasn't a last-minute surprise on Friday – that he wasn't going to play. They, they knew early in the week he, will, he, he would not be playing. So they were able to prepare knowing that he would not be part uh, of the plan. And that, that probably, if, if there's any good news out of that, that's, that's it. That he, he gave them time to, to, to move on without him uh, this week. But, you know, you didn't have your, um, your leading rusher from last year. King Daru, uh, a major piece of your defense. You were expecting to be a major piece. Tyler Coyle doesn't play. Um, and you had some other guys sit down, and you, you, know, you lost your special teams coordinator, Marty Biaggi, because uh, he has to isolate. Um, and you, they, they were down to support people because of um, positive tests in, that, in the building. Uh, so they had to overcome a lot. You know, they did. They had to overcome a lot. And I think they showed a sign of, of toughness. They showed a sign of uh, um, being able to persevere and deal with adversity. Uh, you get adversity all the time in a game. I mean, you've got to deal with it. And the best way to deal with it is through experience. And I think this experience Saturday can really, should help them as they, as they move throughout this season. Uh, because they're going to, face different adversity every week and they've got to be prepared to handle it. And I think Saturday was a, was a, was a step in the right direction to do that. But I thought the defense, I mean, I, I think there's some hope there. There's some promise. Will there be games where they, they give up bigger chunks of yardage and uh, give up more points? Sure. You know, that's the way it works. You know, they played a traditional offense today. Next week, they'll play a spread offense that kind of have it, had its way with them last year. Uh, and then you get back into the traditional offense with Wisconsin. But, you know, you've got spread offenses coming with more mobile quarterbacks, more mobile running backs, uh, and, you know, maybe faster receivers. But And you're not going to have quarterbacks making their first start. You know, the guy they face next week, Brandon Peters, has enough experience under his belt uh, where, you know, obviously Iowa's quarterback, uh, Petraeus, making his first start. Everything's kind of new to him. Everything's moving pretty fast. You know, that had to help uh, produce cause uh, in this game. So, But it may not play a role next week because Brandon Peters has experience and he's not going to uh, 
you know, maybe question some of his decisions. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a different and new challenge uh, every week for this defense, but I think you give it uh, a good grade for this week, um, and it raises the expectations a little bit, but also I think gives you a little bit of hope that that uh, the problems that uh, haunted this defense last year uh, can be uh, reduced somewhat. They'll, they'll never go away, and that never happens with any defense, but maybe they get reduced to a point where they're manageable. Did Purdue give up some big plays today? They did. Did they have some busted coverages? They, they did. Uh, there was especially one on a fourth down uh, where two, two secondary guys, and I can't remember who they were, they went with one guy and it left uh, an Iowa receiver wide open on fourth and four, and they picked up 17 yards. I mean, that was an opportunity for Purdue to get off the field. And those are things that that you need to do, especially against an Iowa team that usually capitalizes on those situations. But, I, you know, I think you give the, the defense a good grade and you move on and you hope, well, maybe there's some promise there. You get, you know, maybe you get uh, Tyler Coral back this week. Uh, you know, Lorenzo Neal. I, I'd be interesting uh, to know Lorenzo's snap count from this game to see how much he played uh, from a, a, a stat standpoint. You know, he made one tackle, but I think his his value um, is probably more than what you see in the numbers because uh, when he's at his best, he's going to command two people to block him. So he's not going to make a lot of tackles. But when you do that, you're freeing up other guys to go one-on-one, like George Karloftis, um, you know, maybe Anthony Watts, and maybe Demarcus Mitchell and guys like that. So, you know, don't always look at the tackle part when it comes to defensive guys, especially defensive linemen, because their value can be seen elsewhere. Now, offensively, uh, O'Connell started, which wasn't a surprise. Um, You know, I think the Brahms really like uh, what Aiden does, and you can't argue with the results. You just can't. He started four games now for Purdue. He started Northwestern last year, Wisconsin, Indiana, and then uh, Iowa. In two of those four games, he's engineered fourth-quarter comebacks. Um, You know, last year at Northwestern, the game-winning field goal, and today in the the fourth quarter, 12-play drive, uh, finds David Bell with 2.15 to go. So you can't argue with those results. And if you go back – a game before last year, before Northwestern, where he came in and replaced Jack Plummer. Um, he led him on a game-winning drive uh, to beat Nebraska. So three times in five games, in his last five games, he's engineered a fourth-quarter drive. You you can make a living doing that, That's but at some point that does run out. Things do even out in life and in football. Uh, but I, I, thought he, I thought O'Connell got off to a really good start. Uh, he seemed to be in rhythm, then got knocked out of rhythm, uh, and then took too many unnecessary sacks, uh, seemed to be forcing the ball too much, uh, seemed to be looking for David Bell too much, and that's that's not, you know, you want to look for David Bell, but when there's two guys around him, maybe you shouldn't look for David Bell. And there was one time, I can't remember if it was intended for David Bell, but Aiden O'Connell stepped up and threw in the triple coverage across the middle and if there's three people guarding one that means uh, 
somebody has to be open. So I, you know, I think those things need to get worked on. It was far from perfect for him, but he delivered when it was time. And that's how your career gets defined. That's how you're viewed as a player. You know, you're viewed by wins. And right now he's, you know, he's, he's got that spot until, you know, something, something happens, which it may or may not. So, I mean, not a big surprise. He got the, uh, he got the job. Um, but you really, you know, obviously David Bell, big day today, 13 catches, second year in a row, 13 catches against Iowa. Uh, you wonder if David Bell's on their scouting report. I mean, seriously, what do you got to do to, you know, stop that guy? Um, you know, keep him from having a big game. I mean, he caught three touch. He was a red zone scoring machine Saturday. All three TDs came within the red zone. Um, but how do you, you know, how do you let him do that? Now, David Bell's really good, and some of it is you just, you know, you have to say the player was better. But I think the way Iowa plays at secondary is probably opens it up for him to do well. But you know, he had a he had a he had a nice game. Milton Wright had a good game. Milton Wright was is probably overlooked uh, today based on you know, what other people did around him. Uh, he took a vicious shot in the midsection on a hit, on a, on a pass that was incomplete, went to the medical tent, but came back out. Don't know if he lost his, you know, um, you got the wind knocked out of him or, or what, but he came back in, made plays. Aiden seemed to hook up with him uh, pretty well on a couple of drives. And, you know, Purdue needs that. You know, as long as Rondell's not out there, Purdue needs that second receiver to come up and make plays. Um, it's either that or the tight end. And if you can get three of those people involved, then you've got – you're really going to stretch the defense. But, you know, I thought Milton played well uh, today, caught the ball, um, you know, did got some yards after the catch. Obviously, David Bell got a lot of yards after the catch and kept fighting for yards. And, it, you know, his strength is somewhat overlooked uh, – just because he doesn't look, you know, like Sander Horvath, who's got muscles on top of muscles, but David Bell is strong, and he uh, he fought for a couple balls today that I think one probably would have been intercepted if he didn't fight for it because it looked like the Iowa defender had had uh, had control of it for a brief second, but then David wrestled it away from him, and uh, you know Purdue was able to keep the ball, uh, but I you know David Bell is playing. You know, he played midseason form in the first game of the year. Uh, and, he, you know, he'll get more attention as games go on and people will look to um, take him away and force other players uh, to beat them. Uh, but the key, I think the key today for the offense was, you know, two things. A, um, you know, the second half running of uh, Xander Horvath uh, and uh, the commitment to run the ball, too. Um and, you know, and I don't know if that's a difference between Jeff Collin plays or Brian Collin plays. But, you know, if you've listened to Jeff over the first three years at Purdue, he will he will come out and admit either after the game or on Monday during his weekly uh, press conference, like, well, we probably should have run the ball more here, run the ball more there. We need to be balanced. We need to, um, you know, we need to have that kind of attack. Um, and you wonder, I mean, this is just pure speculation. You wonder if Jeff was calling the game, would they have been so, 
you know, would they have done what Brian would have done as far as leaning on that running game when he when he was viewing Iowa basically sitting back waiting for the pass. So they had less people near the line of scrimmage and you know, they took advantage of it. And the other part of the key to me was the offensive line uh, doing a pretty good job today. And again, they played a lot of people there today. It wasn't just the same five guys for four quarters. It was um, seven, eight, maybe nine guys that played. Gus Hartwig, true freshman, was in there at center. Uh, you had Spencer Holstage was in there at guard. Um, you know, Kyle Jornigan started. Uh, so, and I know Will Bramwell played uh, right tackle for a while. So they, they, you know, this is something that Purdue had always talked about under Brom, and they, they actually, Purdue, when Daryl Hazel was here, talked about the same thing. We got to get guys in there. We got to, you know, you got to get guys in there to play. You got to get them the experience. You got to build that depth, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, they say that, and then after the game, five guys played the whole time. Well, there was truly a commitment on both sides of the ball to play as many people as possible. Now, is that due to everybody get, doesn't really have to – everybody gets back, can come back next year because there's no rule, there's no redshirt rules, there's nothing. Everybody gets a free year of eligibility, or is that just, hey, we got to do this. We got to play people all the time. We have to rotate in. We got to make sure that they're fresh. And I, again, like similar to defense where it appeared they got a little stronger at the end of the game, you know, maybe the offensive line was the same way where these guys didn't have the heavy burden of all the snaps on them going into the fourth quarter. And they were a little bit, you know, they were more fresh when, when the fourth quarter came around and when you needed to run the ball and give Horvath that opening, they were able to do that. Uh, that's a, you know, that's just something to see. Okay. Does this continue into week two and week three where, um, you know, Purdue continues to play, to play more guys, play more guys, and then keeping your, your starters or your better players fresh. So you can make it through the whole season, number one, but also when you get deeper into the games and you get in a close game and you need to convert a third and one third and two, are your top offensive linemen ready to go and, and, and make that play? So, I mean, that that's kind of something to watch to me. Uh, it was surprising to see that they rotated so many people in. It's, you know, it's going to be an interesting question to ask Jeff on, on, on Monday during his press conference, whether that was a, you know, by design type of thing or they just got in the game and decided to do it. I, I would assume it was a, a design type of thing, but you know, offensively, you know, there were a lot of a lot of good things uh, today. Uh, you know, they, they did score 24 points, uh, which probably is a little low, but uh, there were there were there were stretches of really solid play. There were lulls, and we talked about O'Connell kind of having an up and down day, um, and the offense kind of hit went into neutral for a little bit, um, but they were able to survive because I think the defense kind of picked them up and kept Iowa out of the end zone and kept things, you know, relatively close. It was 20 to 14 at one time, but it's still a one score game. So you never, if you're Purdue, you never felt like you were out of it. You had a chance. You just, you needed some things to kind of go your way, but you know, big day for David Bell, big day for Xander Horvath, big day for 
Aiden O'Connell, who who even admits he didn't play well, which you know his interceptions uh, today were not. Um, were, uh, how do you how do you term that? They were they were his own fault, basically. Uh, you know, the one before the half. You know, I don't think he saw the defender, um, and it set up an Iowa field goal, and you thought, oh, that's gonna. That's probably going to, you know, do a little bit of damage. And then the one, the Payne Durham, that he threw behind Payne Durham that got tipped was picked off uh, in the red zone, and that that was going to be a backbreaker. And the, but to me, I thought the the play of the game was going to be uh, a play that wasn't made was the long pass to David Bell when Purdue was on its eleven yard line, leading seven to nothing, and David Bell had gotten free down the field, probably the 40, 45, maybe the 50-yard line. Nobody was around him. And the pass was a little high, but David Bell jumped up, and I think it went off his fingertips or his fingers. Um, and it, you know, it's a play that we've, we've seen David Bell make a lot in, in his, during his short career. Um, he's made harder catches, I'll tell you that. But... And then the next play, after that incomplete pass, O'Connell gets sacked. They lose nine yards. They punt. Iowa gets great field position. And I think five plays later, they score a touchdown. It's tied. And that, that, that's a, that, that almost was a turning point, tipping point for Purdue, um, where you go from potentially being up 14 to nothing to where you're tied at seven. And then eventually you're behind uh, because Iowa – gets back into the end zone um, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, yeah, you don't know how the game unfolds if, um, if, if Bell makes that play or the pass is just a teeny bit lower, but you know, that's just, that's just the way it goes. But, you know, I, I don't think, um, you know, I really don't think Purdue fans should be, I mean, uh, Purdue won the game and that, you know, that's what you want to do. But I think there's a lot of things here today that need to show up again next week. And if there's some improvement made or you add some players to the mix, um, you know, you're going to get, get an opportunity to get a win. Now the, you know, defensively they had, you know, they only had one sack, two tackles for loss. So they didn't get the kind of pressure I think they need to get throughout the big 10 season. And some of that's just, you know, Iowa's offensive line is good and they're going to keep people out. You know, George Karloftis, you know, broke through and, you know, made some plays, got some pressures, um, got one sack. Uh, but he was, you know, he was a force in there and there were some other guys. DeMarcus Mitchell was another one that was a force in there as well. Uh, but you know, they need to pick up that part of the game and whether that can be done through blitzing, whether that can be done through some, some other areas. Um, you know, I, I, you know, that, that's something that, again, that needs to improve. And then offensively, uh, you know, just getting a little bit more consistency in the running game. Um, you know, maybe if you get King Daru back, that uh, that helps. Uh, but again, I, you know, I thought Xander Horvath got stronger as the game went on, and I think his, you know, his punishing style may have uh, knocked uh, knocked Iowa around a little bit, where they were not really as eager to tackle him as they were early in the game you know, because of how hard he runs. And when he, when he gets, when a defender comes up on him, he, he puts his head down and shoulder down and wants to run over you. You know, that's, that's how it's done. 
By the way, Purdue announced the attendance today as 900. I just noticed that on the box score. You should never, you should never do attendance like with an even number like that. It all, it should be either 901, 902, or 899, or 898, because I think that adds some legit, legitimacy to it. Because it's like, well, why didn't you round up? No, that's the actual count. Or round down. No, that's the actual count. 900 is like you just pulled it out of the air and said, oh, okay, this is what we're going to use. But I do know that, you know, uh, Purdue players got four tickets each that were like 300 to 400 tickets were distributed to Iowa. I don't think they used them all. Um, so that, that count was supposed to be around 800. So maybe they got a few more in there or they actually counted the, <laughs> the cardboard cutouts. Who knows? But anyway, uh, that wraps it up uh, for the post-game podcast. Uh, Purdue's 24-20 to victory uh, over Iowa. Did, you know, special teams note, they really were not – they didn't do anything great. They didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, you know, Cormier didn't uh, – you know, he punted, he punted okay. Didn't – he had some nice ones. Uh, a couple line drives in there, but um, – you know, there was nothing yeah, – I mean, if, if you're going to – the one thing about special teams is they didn't let Iowa really get going on a kickoff return, and that's one of their strengths. So that was a positive uh, for Purdue. All right, well, that'll wrap it up uh, for uh, this post-game edition of the Boilers Extra podcast uh, following Purdue's 24-20 win uh, over Iowa. Purdue 1-0, first time since 2016. Uh, they'll head to Illinois next week. Uh, I'm curious what the betting line will be. Uh, I'll be curious how what, how, uh, how, uh, how the fine folks in Vegas view view this game um, coming up on, on Saturday because Illinois is coming off a 45-7 to loss to Wisconsin. Purdue's coming off a win. You know, I don't – whether that – how much that factors into it, um, I, I don't think a lot. You know, it'll it'll get matched up. You know, Purdue might be an actual favorite in this game. A small one, maybe. A small one. Or Illinois might be a field goal favorite. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll just wait and see. It'll be interesting when that comes out. Appreciate you stopping by. Any questions, comments, concerns, Twitter, email. Uh, if you have my phone number, you can call me or text me. I'm not giving it to you, but if you have it, you can call me or text me. Uh, then otherwise we'll, 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 we'll do another one of these coming up in the next couple of days as we get, uh, as Purdue gets starting, uh, rolling it, rolling and ready for, uh, Illinois. And we're going to see who's available, uh, this week. Uh, and when, and when Jeff Brom gets back, um, should be back if all things go well from a symptom standpoint, should be back by midweek, I believe, if, uh, if I'm doing my math correctly, uh, but he'll be on a Zoom call on Monday, but um, may not be physically back with the team until until midweek. Otherwise, uh, have a good day, have a good night, have a good weekend, and uh, again, thanks for stopping by.